Hello and welcome to Shadow of the Past, a side project of the Card Game Cooperative podcast, where we take a bit of time to look at individual scenarios from across the co-op LCGs created by Fantasy Flight Games. My name is Michael and joining me today is Will. Hello. How are you doing? I am not so bad, thank you. I've had a weirdly productive day, which has been quite nice. Excellent. After a nice long three-day weekend for yourself and... Well, I've just had a week off last week, so that was, uh, well, it should have been relaxing, but I've got a three-month-old, so uh, it was... <laughs> it's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it was something. <laughs> yeah, no, it was nice to, nice to have a long weekend and just be like, yeah, cool. And the fact it was sunny as well, so I could go outside for it uh, and get just like, it felt, it was so refreshing to then like, right, I'm indoors today, I'm on, I'm at work, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, right, I actually feel motivated to sit here and do work today rather than just be like, oh, not another day inside. Take me out of this prison. It wouldn't be a podcast from British people if we didn't talk about the weather within the first two minutes. But you are so right, it has made a big difference, the fact that the sun's come out. (laughs) So good. Well then, yeah, as this is the shadow of the past. In each of these episodes, we discuss an individual scenario, quest or villain, and the encounter deck with it. Um, so, Will, do you want to share what scenario you've picked to discuss today? Yes, I have chosen the second released standalone encounter set for Marvel Champions, Wrecking Crew. Yes. I was just having to double check in my head. Second released, wasn't it? Yeah. After. Way back when, before we had campaign boxes, and it was just that that we lived on, standalones. <laughs> I mean, for me, this was about a month ago, so... <laughs> <laughs> there we are. So before we get into too many details on it, and um, do you want to give a bit of spoiler-free advice that people can hear, and then we'll give a spoiler warning? I can indeed. You are Ben Richards, the running man. In tonight's show, you'll fight against your four favourite 80s campy villains in a battle of life and death for the construction contract to rebuild New York City for the fourth time. And if you don't have Tom Jones's iconic James Bond theme in your head by the time you've finished, you're playing it wrong. So keep an eye on all four of those stalkers and make sure they don't get away with their dastardly schemes. Oh, there's so many references I want to get in there. <laughs> so many things have just flown over my head and I'm sitting politely and smiling. <laughs> it largely I I'd watched The Running Man about a week before you asked me this, uh which one I wanted to cover, and I was like, Yeah, I'll do Wrecking Crew. And then it twigged, I was like, wait a minute, these two things are really closely related somehow. I think somebody <laughs> had a creative vision <laughs> when the comic books arrived. Have you seen any of the Wrecking Crew? In any TV cartoons or TV shows, any of the I, four characters? No, I have no other reference to them apart from uh, who was it when when Spider Man were doing their fun little um, oh what's the name of our next film going to be? One of them referenced um, the Wrecking Crew. I can't remember what it was like. Uh, I can't remember what the what the was title this when uh, was this when a bunch of important people from the movies were putting out fake names on April Fool's Day on yes. social media. Yeah. Um, Tom Holland's and Dea and I can never remember Ned's name. 
Ned's actual name. Uh, but yeah, each of them like re- uh, revealed a, a title as to what Spider-Man <laughs> Far From Home was going to be. And one of them was... What the name of because their their actual name isn't the Wrecking Crew, is it? They're the the mm, somethings. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's the only other time outside of Marvel Champions I've come across them. There we are then. Yeah, I, I haven't come across them either, but they they do look like a fun bunch. So uh, hmm. now we're going to go into some mechanics of the scenario itself. So if you haven't played the Wrecking Crew scenario before, or if you just don't want to hear a bunch of details about it for the moment, this is your spoiler warning. So you can go away and give it a few goes and then come back to the episode later. Right, so uh, let's start with a bit of a walkthrough, a few cards that kind of outline the scenario itself and how it's played. Um, There is only one main scheme in this scenario. Uh, Will, do you want to read Breakout? I can. So Breakout is the main scheme, and it only has one stage, with a starting threat of zero and an escalation threat of just one. Not one per player. Don't get that wrong. It's just one. Um, It starts, uh, sorry, and the threat limit is six per player, just to really mess with your head. Yeah. Um, So the setup is you need to put the Day of Reckoning Thunderstruck, pile it on, and clear the road side schemes into play, and then place the active counter on Wrecker. Um, there's also a whole leaflet that you'll want to probably read about two or three times before getting into this scenario, because boy, it took me a few goes to get it right the first time. Um, force or response. Play with some, or play with someone who's played it before, and they can help guide you through it, because it is a, a it is a unique scenario. Yes. 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 Um, so the forced response are step after step one of the villain phase place one threat on each side scheme move the active counter to the villain whose scheme has the most threat if there is a tie the first player chooses if the stage is completed the players lose the game nice and simple yeah it's uh, I don't know how much discussion we could do before we kind of go through everything because if people hunt yeah, it's a little confusing if you're not aware that there are like multiple villains and multiple side schemes connected to the villains. So uh, we'll read. I'll, I'll read out one of the villains as an example. We'll go for the guy who you're told to put the active token on, active villain token on. We'll go for Wrecker. Um, so he, yeah, is a villain as you guess. He has the trait Wrecking Crew, two scheme and two attack. And he's got the text, when Wrecker schemes, place the threat on his side scheme instead of on the main scheme. And then he's also got the ability, when Wrecker is attacking, he gets plus two attack if the attack is undefended. And 28, well, I'm sorry, no, 14 hit points per player. You could tell a player two-handed quite a lot Why I went to 28 immediately. Um, (laughs) And yeah, as with all the villains in this scenario, instead of having multiple stages of one, two, and three, he's got uh, letters that represent his different options rather than stages. You either play against let- uh, side A or you play against side B. You don't go through both of them in an order. So you'll only face one version of him in the scenario. Um, and then there's to skip a bit of time. We won't go through all the. We won't go through the full cards of the other three villains as well, but there is um, Thunderball, Pile Driver, and Bulldozer. And where Wrecker has this ability where he 
uh, it gets plus to attack if his attack is undefended. Thunderball instead has an ability where after he attacks, you deal one damage to each character you control. And instead, Pile Driver has Retaliate 1. And instead, Bulldozer has Forced Interrupt when Bulldozer attacks, the attack gains Overkill. So you've got four villains to fight all at once, though uh, thankfully only one of them at a time will have the active villain token. So only one of them will activate, if that's the correct term, in the villain phase. Yeah, and that's that's sort of like the um, the fun part of this scenario, I suppose, isn't it? That instead of instead of fighting one main villain, you've got four to sort of manage all at the same time. Um, and the the twist, I suppose, is how that active villain swaps between each of the villains um so if if you play it sort of solo it's quite easy to sort of keep control of because it swaps when another villain has a higher threat sort of thing um so that's easy enough to manage if you're on solo normally um but as soon as you get into sort of like two player or more and you start drawing more encounter cards those encounter cards will sometimes contain text that tells you to move where the active villain counter is so all of a sudden you're planning to try and stun lock one of the villains is completely sabotaged by the fact that he's not going to do anything for the rest of the round and it's someone else doing it instead. Yeah, you can uh, lock up a villain with stun and confuse, as you say, or something like that, and then go two, three, four rounds, go till the end of the game sometimes even, without them activating and you feel like you just wasted a bunch of effort getting them stunned and confused. Uh, so it's definitely an added element. Interest. I was interesting to hear you say that you were managing the four of them, because I think the the theme of this scenario is that these four villains have escaped from jail, and you're trying to stop them from getting any further. So you're trying to manage them and get them back into prison. Um, and yet somehow I think that does come across. You are kind of juggling. You're, you're like spinning lots of plates with these four guys, and you're trying to keep them all maintained and slowly whittle away their health rather than with the regular villains where you're just having a big all out all out fight with them i think yeah it's 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 very much a a sort of manage them you can't you can deal damage to one of them and then kill him and then deal damage to the other one and kill him and then deal damage to another one and kill him uh, in some ways uh, it, the game doesn't really stop you from doing that which i feel like they Maybe they might have added in if this wasn't already such a complicated scenario to begin with, especially the beginning of the champion's uh, life, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the the main thing that you do have to do is manage your, manage your threat and which villain is the active villain, um, partly for the fact that when their schemes go over a certain amount, then they'll trigger a an ability, um, for example because we haven't read any of these yet, have we? So yeah, as you've kind of touched on, all four of them have their own side scheme each that is put into play at the start of the scenario as well. So do you want to read through one of them as an example? Um, yeah. So for example, uh, if we stick with Rekka, because he's he's the I think he's the head honcho of the group. Um, so his, his side scheme, Day of Reckoning, it starts with six uh, threat, uh, it can't leave play while Wrecker is in play sort of thing. Um, so obviously you 
you can't get rid of this until you've killed Wrecker. Uh, and force response, hard hitter. After threat is placed here, if there is 10 or more threat here, deal two damage to each friendly character. Remove all but three threat from this scheme. And this is sort of um, cop- mimicked across the other side schemes as well. So they're all, they've all got that text of once this threat gets to 10, do something, revert it back to three. So you have to sort of stop them getting to 10 too often because that's that's a pain because you're either so taking damage from him you're getting stunned from uh thunderballs one you're discarding 10 cards from your deck from bulldozer and you're discarding your highest cost asset or support which is i think the worst one which is um um oh what's his name the fourth one a pile driver that is pile driver yeah so he's, but luckily, hit, and they all they all start on different threat levels as well. So in theory, Wrecker is the one that you'll, if you don't ever scheme, um, if you don't ever thwart, even uh, you'll end up fighting Wrecker and then Thunderball and then Bulldozer and then um, we've just yeah, said his name, <laughs> Pile Driver, Big um, Hands, Big Hands is his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the only way the threat can be placed on them is with that ability that you read earlier on the main scheme, where every single round one threat has been placed on each of these schemes. And also by the villain thwarting, as that ability is on all the villains. If they thwart, instead of it going on the main scheme, it goes on their respective side scheme instead. If they scheme. Anything else goes on the main scheme. And I think the only thing that is covered by that term, anything else, is by one of the minions in the deck having a scheme that's greater than zero um <laughs> i think every uh thing else in the scenario it, it goes onto the side schemes so they they are the things you need to do the ma- most of the threat maintenance on yeah and it's uh it's interesting because like i say you can let the main scheme build up a fair bit and then just have a quick go at it said it's a zero and then it does feel like well that's not so difficult i'm never gonna scheme out until you stop managing which is the active villain because you're very they've got each villain also has their own encounter deck that you draw from if they're the villain but they're not very big so if they're the active villain and you're playing like two play, for example, you're taking two cards at least out of that every, well, you're taking four cards out of that because they're going to activate twice. And then um, you get two card draw anyway for the regular encounter phase. Um, so you're taking four out of that. And once that has gone, once that's run out as normal, you then place an acceleration token down, but that goes on the main scheme. So there's a interesting sort of i need this i need you to stop being the main villain for a while i even though this person will hit me harder i want them to be the main the main villain just for the the active villain for the moment so that i'm not putting acceleration tokens down so quickly and um just to add to that fact of you just plowing through the the very small 15 card encounter decks i think a lot of the cards have boost effects that then cause the villain to activate again or a another villain to become the active temporarily and to activate again so then you're not just revealing two boost cards if you're playing two player you you might have one activation per player plus another one because one of those boost cards triggered this 
secondary activations. And that's another card you've revealed. And yeah, that's all. That's, so that's three from the activations and another two from dealing from the cards that you draw. And you're already a third of the way through that encounter deck in one go. Yeah, and that's not even mentioning if you decided to play a Scarlet Witch or <laughs> <laughs> or um, Star Lord. Yeah. So that is, yeah, we've explained that there are four villains, and each of them have their own side scheme, and each of them have their own tiny encounter deck. And I think the only thing which we've already already kind of touched on is just this uh, uh, this mechanic within each of the encounter decks that moves around the active villain token a bit more out of your control than what's written on the main scheme. So an example of which is on the treachery card buddy system. Um, I'll read the when revealed effect anyway, uh, even though it's not the main focus of the discussion, but it says choose the villain whose side scheme has the least threat, reveal the top card of his deck. And then in brackets, top two cards instead, if he is the only villain in play. So that doesn't move the active villain token around, but it does um, if you're aware that there's some certain cards in another villain's deck that you were trying to avoid. So you go with a safer choice. You're trying to set it up so a safer choice is going to be the active villain body system that can end up making you reveal a, that card anyway from another deck. And it's got the boost ability, move the active counter to the villain whose side scheme has the least threat. So... You could have set it up so that, say, Bulldozer is the active villain, and then he activates, gets that boost ability, and then it moves over to, say, Wrecker, who you are trying to avoid. So there's a certain amount of uncontrollability about who the active villain is. And Body System is a card, like quite a few in the encounter deck, that is in all four of the encounter decks. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are, are repeated um, throughout. And nicely, they're also uh, coloured differently, so it's very easy to put each of them back into their own decks. <laughs> which is, yeah, uh, you can end up nice. dealing yourself two encounter cards, and they could be from two different villains, and then there's a third villain who's the active villain, and yeah, if they didn't, you need to make sure that they go in their respective discard piles afterwards, so <laughs> the colour coding is very useful to be able to just manage it yeah it's um yeah it's very nice i will say there are there are there are two things that i found with this scenario uh when i first got it the first one was that because it's an entirely self-contained standalone encounter you can play you don't actually need the core set to play it aside from your tokens and your hit dials and a hero to play against however even if you do have the core set you won't own enough dials if you want to play more than one player with it. <laughs> so uh, this, this came up like in the very first stream they did of announcing the game on YouTube, uh, announcing this product. And it was like one of the comment first comments that came through. And I think Caleb was part of the team and he basically just reacted like, okay, we, 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 took the idea that everyone's smart enough to just figure out a way of tracking health without these dials we're going to give to everyone. So just, I don't know, switch around who uses the heroes and who uses the villains or get some pen and paper out. You'll be fine. You'll get through it. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't doesn't use any module sets or the standard encounter set or anything like that because you wouldn't really, or even the obligations and Mm -hmm. the nemesis cards because 
it's it's a very complicated system of trying to figure out where they would be shuffled into because there's four separate encounter decks. So, yeah, completely self-contained. Yeah, which is interesting that you don't include your obligation because all of a sudden a bunch of heroes become a lot more viable, especially with the fact that there are four villains as well. Like I found like She-Hulk and Hulk both because their uh, obligations and nemesis sets can be really punishing to them. Like if you're Hulk and you just like, oh, no, go, go to Bruce Banner, discard your hand, here's a turn where you don't get to do anything sort of thing. Um, then uh, uh, then all of a sudden they become a lot better. Um. Yes, I do. That is, that's, I've come across that before and it is She-Hulk and Hulk that are my first two thoughts as well for that. <laughs> and She-Hulk's also got the fun um, uh, ground pound. Uh, where it's a deal one damage to each enemy, which then covers all four villains, which is quite nice as well. Nice. Guaranteed to hit four things rather than guaranteed to hit one thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we've got the general shell of the scenario then, as complicated as it is. Uh, Is there any individual cards you wanted to call out or any strategies or playthrough stories you've got? Um. I will say that uh, I, yeah, I don't really like uh, Pile Driver. He is he is my least favorite, just <laughs> for how punishing his uh, like. You can't hit him because he's got retaliate. So you 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 kind of like do a bit of damage. So like I was playing a game early with She Hulk and Spider Man. Um, for the first time, I I could actually play two player against this because up until now I've I it's like I know I could get some dice out to track the health, but I'd rather just use the four small hero ones for those, and then I'll take the villain one for me. Uh, but now mm-hmm. I've got the Lord of the Rings set. I was like, oh, I have two spare dials. I'll use those. Which annoyingly, as we've covered before, are the wrong way around. So that gets confusing. But anyway, um, so so I was set up, um, you know, trying to trying to deal with pile driver so whenever she hulk flipped i dealt two damage to him whenever i did the ground pound that was another damage so it was just like i was going to leave him be just keep his um threat sort of as low as possible so he never triggers uh, and then he he'll hopefully never hit me and i'll never have to worry about hitting him because it'll all just be you know whatever and then um something came up where he was the i had to draw from a card from his deck because he was the lowest threat and it was one card that was you had to discard the uh support or asset the highest cost support you had uh, and spider-man had a beat cop in play which in this particular scenario is excellent because you can just it's great for managing like, okay, I need you to not have one. I need you to tie with this person. So I get to pick who's the active sort of thing. And this B cop had like 10 threat on it. <laughs> so it was like, a, I had an insta kill card ready to go. And uh, yeah, I just had to just get it and could do nothing about it, which was a right pain in the butt. But oh, hey, I think, I think my, at first my default approach for, uh, Pile driver is that you can't attack him because he's got to retaliate one, and it's kind of a similar thought is, or that I also had when playing this scenario is you can't let any of the side schemes advance because when when they get to ten threat they do something bad and then they reset again. And it's only after I've played through a few times that I keep having to remind myself that actually there is some situations when it does make sense to attack pile driver. Just taking one damage in response is not so bad if you can deal him five or six or more. Yeah, and. I just have to keep reminding myself that because otherwise I just lock myself into a 
strategy that isn't very useful. And this, the you know, they all trigger an ability when the side schemes advance. But sometimes it's better to invest a whole turn on fighting and dealing with uh, attachments and things like that. And you don't mind one of them triggering, except for pile drivers because discarding upgrades and supports is horrible. But uh, other than that, the other three, expensive. I think, yeah, yeah, the other three, I think I could. In certain situations, I'm fine to let go, let to, let them trigger, and uh, then it set, sets it down to three again. So it's, a, it's like you're getting seven threat reduction for free. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's it's good. I, I like. Initially, I think when I, I played it the first few times, I thought, oh, this is just going to be the same over and over again. Like you're always going to pick the same villain to beat up first, then the next one, then the next one, and then you'll always be left with one villain sort of thing. Um, but actually, I find it, it it's really interesting in the way that you'll change your tactics depending on which hero you've brought and which aspect you've brought. So, um, for example, if you've got a leadership deck, you'll like never want... Um, which one is it? Bulldozer to be the one who's active because he's got his attacks have got overkill. Um, so if your leadership more likely than not you're using allies to as a you know chump block, which all of a sudden don't work, sort of thing. So then he becomes uh, the person you want to hit. Whereas in the game I was playing earlier with Spider Man and She Hulk, they neither of those really relied on allies that much, or if they did, the allies were more there to actually attack or thwart than actually defend. Um, so. Actually, Bulldozer was like, oh, I can leave him till the end. But um, characters that would stun my heroes, so Thunderball, who stuns you uh, as his one goes over, he was like the one that I was most concentrating on, I suppose, whereas normally he's mm-hmm. a bit further down. I don't know. It's, uh... I Yeah, I, I think more often than not, I do have the same path for how to take out the villains, though your comment about uh, bulldozer and allies is true and that has impacted the order I've taken to take them out before but usually I find myself taking out Thunderball first because I hate that stunning ability on his side scheme and the deal one damage to all your characters when he uh, attacks and then after that yeah. I go for Wrecker um, I think with some of his uh, abilities you can end up putting up down threat quite quickly and mm. I don't like that hanging around at the end of the game I'm not I feel like I've, I've left him around once at the end of the game and regretted it so I normally go for him second and then bulldozers the last one I go for and then pile driver is just this anomaly that I'll take out whenever is convenient because yes most of the time I will just leave him to deal the weird damage that isn't actually part of an attack and just I'm happy for him to go down whenever he goes down. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, I can, I've got an eight attack throw. I can, I'll may as well put that towards him then because I'll only take one back or, you know, like I say, with a She-Hulk, just chip away. Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, I think I've got... I think generally I've had quite a few success stories playing against Wrecking Crew. Um, the... The biggest achievement I've had playing as Wrecking Crew, though, is beating it on heroic mode. The first time I've ever beaten anything on heroic mode. Nice. And uh, I was quite chuffed when I got to the end of it. But it was it was a very interesting experience because we were talking earlier about how many um, cards you get through in the encounter deck. And heroic mode adds that even more so. So at minimum, you'll get six cards in the encounter deck if you're playing two-handed, which is what I did do. 
And you, uh, we were saying there's there's reasons why you can get an extra one or two on top of that, and then suddenly that's half the encounter deck you've gone through. So, um, on, I mean, you can set it up so that you go to you try and move it around. Who's going to be the active villain? So that you're minimizing the amount of acceleration tokens that are coming into play. But on average, across the scenario, you're getting an acceleration token every other round. So you have to really be uh, playing a. F- Offensively and being pushing forward before it gets to a point where there is. Well, I got to a point where I think I had six acceleration tokens in play, but I did manage to finish <laughs> the game there. Uh, so <laughs> it was not manageable at that point. It was bearable for the last round and a half that I needed. But if I hadn't got to a state where I think I had like just two villains left at that point and they were both on quite low health, if I wasn't in such a good place like that, then you've lost when you get to six, seven acceleration tokens. So uh, I found that really interesting playing. I felt it was like a, a heroic mode is tough on any scenario, but I felt like it was an added layer playing heroic mode against this scenario because it means acceleration tokens come down that much quicker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, as a scenario, I've largely only played solo. Uh, I think I played a couple of times co-op with a few other people, but largely I, I, up until today really it's i've only ever done it uh one-handed as well so it, which it sort of it seems less difficult because there's it's more predictable but then it's less fun i think mm-hmm. like when we had um i'm sure we've had a four-player game uh at some point with this and that was that was very entertaining because it was really hard to keep well it was it was entertaining because it was hard to keep track of everything but it was also really annoying because we were doing it remotely if i recall and it was really hard to keep track of anything (laughs) yes at the end of every single round it was like reading through the health of all the villains in order and then reading through the threat levels of all the villains in order and yeah normally it's just i think just one number you're normally reading while playing remotely and this was quite complicated i do remember that yeah Uh, yeah you're right, though. I think this scenario gets, even though when you're playing it, you are trying to keep it under control and trying to make sure you manage where the active villain token is. But it is more fun when you have more players and more encounter cards are coming out that make you lose control of where the active villain token is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that's, that's but yeah, definitely. There's more, in, there's more enjoyment in making this one harder for yourself, weirdly. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah it's odd because it's the only scenario that you can't sort of do via a module set because you can't add any in so it's um yeah it's a it's an odd it's an it's a bit of an odd duck in in the marvel champions releases but i, I you know i do like it i have a good soft spot for it it was quite good that yes yeah, so we got green goblin as the very first one and i think maybe that was a quite template um, villain product. I'm sure there's yeah. a better name to describe it. But yeah, it gives you a scenario. Well, actually, it gives you two. And it gives you some module sets with it. And it's just some interesting things within there that add on a bit from what the core set gave you. And then this one is like, here's some wacky guys in some really ridiculous superhero villain costumes and there's some mad mechanics that you have to read their rule insert three times for enjoy never have i had to read the rules reference more than one playing through this scenario (laughs) uh one last shout out i'll give in cards is for tactical prowess which is a treachery in the thunderball set 
which has the text, when revealed, remove, uh, move all threat from the side scheme with the least threat to the side scheme with the most threat. If that scheme's forced ability is not triggered this way, this card gains surge. Um, and yeah, that's just awful all round because it's either going to be, either you had the game just a bit under control and you weren't going to be triggering a side scheme and then this takes you over the edge and now you've, that's quite, any of the side scheme abilities is quite a nasty thing to get as a replacement for a treachery card. Uh, otherwise, it just, you know, it moved some threat around in an inconvenient way and it surges into another card, moves you one step closer to an acceleration token. And yeah, this is one of my least favorite treacheries. Yep. Uh, the, just because it's tough. Good target for a cancellation if you have one to hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're not playing two-handed and you forgot that there was a cancellation in your hand and then you did everything and couldn't be bothered to go back to it, which I totally didn't do earlier. <laughs> Oh, we've all been there. No, it's fine. <laughs> Pick up your Spider-Man hand like, oh, I've forgotten I'd got enhanced Spider-Sense in hand. I could have cancelled all, and I can't remember how to get back to... No, never mind. It's it's happened. Uh, oh. My Sorry. Peter Tingle, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Any last shout-outs from you? Any anything else? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the only the only other bit because obviously it, because it's got four villains and four side schemes in play at the beginning. There are it has limited minions and and no other side schemes to put down into play, which is. Um, it sort of instantly ruins a few of the decks. I've got like a few heroes that are normally quite powerful all of a sudden become really useless because there's no, there's such inconsistent minions to fight or um, there's no side schemes to have to worry about. So all of like your leadership decks become a little less useful somehow. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a good mix up to all of the, all of the stuff. Any cards that trigger off, defeating a side scheme. Um, so skilled investigators, you draw a card and you defeat a side scheme, things like that. They become pointless, basically. Um, so yeah, you want to swap them out. And I wouldn't play, I probably wouldn't play Thor in this scenario, which I've got as a deck that deals, likes engaging minions quite a lot. So yeah, a very extravagant Thor deck likes engaging minions. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's not really suited for this. There's, two minions in each of the decks, so that's one in seven chance-ish of drawing a minion at any point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we move into the difficulty rating, in most of these episodes that we've been doing, a challenge has naturally come up, and I think uh, I want to extend the challenge generally for the listeners of what I did do, which was beating this on heroic mode, and not only on heroic mode, beating on heroic mode, where one of your heroes is Scarlet Witch. Uh, <laughs> and you can see if you can get more acceleration tokens than I did, but uh, yeah, it is, it is good fun, and it's actually once a challenge we can set that one of us has played before. <laughs> I'll have to give it a go. I've still got it set up from earlier, so I'll... Uh... <laughs> I decided, right, I've never beat any scenario on hero mode. I'm going to take the winners of the last two power rankings 
and put them together. So I had oh, the two mystics nice. on the table, and uh, and I was just looking at Scarlet Witch, thinking this is going to be difficult, and maybe I'm not <laughs> going to play any of her discarding <laughs> encounter cards. But I did play a few of them, probably less than I would normally do. But uh, yeah, you find the balance. Yeah, yeah. When you have to second guess the fact that you're going to play the third hex bolt in a row this turn, you're, uh... <laughs> oh, I love doing that in a normal game. Yeah, it didn't happen in this game. No. <laughs> right, so on to the irrelevant and meaningless difficulty rating. Uh, have you got a number in mind from one to five? One being a really, really easy scenario and five being a ridiculously difficult scenario? I do, I do. Um, and this isn't, and my number isn't representative of how much I do or don't like this scenario. I do very much like this scenario. Um, but uh, alas, um, as you may have guessed, it's probably a difficulty one from me. Um, as uh, Well, you've beaten it on heroic, so it can't be that difficult. Um, <laughs> it's it's a nice go-to for all of my, my heroes that are a bit subpar, let's say. Um, you know, yeah. The ones that I would definitely not take against uh, an Ultron or a Ronin or anything like that. Uh, they get so to, Hawkeye. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> we have proven now that that is not the case. Although Hawkeye would be superpower. Imagine his explosive arrow. That's three damage to each villain, and he's got three of those in his deck. Is that how it works? It's just rules that you need to Hmm. read the rules insert again and figure it out. But if it is, that's yes, he is a powerhouse then. Deal choose a player, deal three damage to each enemy that that player is engaged with. Hmm. I bet you don't count as being engaged with all four at the same time, do you? Well, there's some homework to go and do. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll that. But, um, I, I 100% agree with the difficulty rating uh, I feel like if I'm calling a scenario difficulty 1 then that normally means I'm not enjoying it but actually I do quite like this one it's quite fun um, I hadn't played it in a long while until you said you wanted to cover it in the episode and then I picked it back up again but uh, I did enjoy picking it back up again and getting a few games in Yeah, it's a fun quirky scenario but a bit uh, it's probably the easiest one I could think of at the moment because I can beat it with pretty much any hero. Yeah, no, especially if you're just doing, you know, uh, standard difficulty and that sort of stuff. Um, and with, I say, one or two players so you can manage the deck. And But this this scenario, I don't think... You, you, it's one of those that you don't really play to beat it as such. You play for the, the random shenanigans that go on once you start making it a bit harder for yourself and that sort of stuff. So, Which is, a, again, it's weird... But you know, it's it's good fun when it all starts <laughs> when when the, when they all start triggering off each other and you've got these four stupid villains in you know brightly coloured lycra just dancing around you and doing all sorts of nonsense. It's just like I don't yeah. understand. Get back in your jail cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there we are then. Before we wrap up, I'll just uh, share some contact details if anyone wants to share their two pence on the wrecking crew scenario and if they have a go at the challenge as well. Um, so you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at Card Cooperative. And we're on Facebook as well as The Card Game Cooperative. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and we'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Bye. Ciao.